So we're going to continue with our Reach and Build series. Last week we kicked off the series with a, a message on vision and how without vision people perish. That's, that's scripture. It says without vision people perish. The word perish doesn't just mean to die. It actually means to run wild. So if you don't have vision from God for your life, for your family's life, for the direction of your company, a vision for every area of your life, listen to me carefully, you are likely running wild, and that's causing the stress, the anxiety, the, the worn outness, the, the, the tiredness. That's causing all these problems you're experiencing is, is, is likely trickled back to the fact that you don't have a vision for every area of your life. So it's possible to have a vision for your marriage but not have a vision for your children. And then come to realize your children are the ones that are driving you nuts. But it's really not their fault. They're just, they're perishing, they're running wild because there's no vision. Without vision, my people run wild. God expects us to have a vision, to seek him for a vision for every area of our life. My finances, my emotions, my mind, my thinking, my relationships, my work, my hobbies, my play, whatever it is, God's expecting me to have a vision for my life, which means this, that I don't need to create one. I need to go to the one who created me to get one. Amen? Which means I have to press into him. But I can't hear from God. I don't know what God wants me to do. Keep on pressing. The problem with this generation is, is we quit too easy. We give up too quick. I love the old timers. Man, they had some wherewithal. They were gritty. They had some endurance. They would press in until God showed up. Like cancel Christmas until God shows up. Like, we're not moving until God shows. I know some old timers, when they couldn't hear from God, they grabbed their Bible and a jug of water, and they would head out to the woods, to the camp, with no guns, no fishing poles, and no TVs and no phones, and they would sit in that wilderness until God spoke to them, and they would not leave until God said something. God has a vision for your life. That's what we talked about last week. So we cast vision that God has for us as a church. I want you to rest assured in this, that we have vision for these churches. We have God's vision for these churches. We will plant more churches. We will raise more pastors and raise more leaders and reach more children and reach more of the lost. We have vision for these churches. Right now that vision includes some projects. Some expansions. It's funny because Crowley needs a permanent place with some expansion. And what did they do? They expanded. Jennings needs more room. They're having to go to three services starting next month. And then they're expanding and enhancing some of their facilities. We need some more room. It may not look like it this morning, but we need some more room. We're going to push some walls back and open up some, some four-year space to create more room. So to do that, we have a God gap of $300,000. And so we're trusting God to bring 
$300,000. Last week we talked about how God wants every one of us to participate in that. And I left you with this encouragement. Don't ask God what he wants you to do. Ask God what he wants to do through you. And that's what I'm encouraging you to pray about from now until next Sunday. And next Sunday we'll receive a miracle offering and we're trusting God and there's no pressure. But we want to make sure that you know how to see the vision God has for you. Hear God's voice. Because it's one thing to say, ask God what he wants to do through you, but you don't know how to see a vision and you don't know how to hear his voice. That would be foul. For me to tell you to go get a word from God but not have taught you how to hear from God. Right? Okay. How many of you have had an idea and wondered when you heard something, was that God or was that just me? Anybody? Raise your hand if that was you. Like you ever just went, was that God or was that me? Was that the pizza I ate last night and I'm up because of heartburn? Is God trying to talk to me? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, my hand's up. Like there's times I have to check what I'm hearing. Because not only does God speak, but my flesh speaks. Not only does God speak, but the enemy speaks. Not only does God speak, but the world speaks. But I'm going to teach you something today. That as believers, as children of God, you've been given good ears. (laughs) How many of you are in a moment right now in your life where you need to hear God's voice? Raise your hand. You say, I need a word from God. That's a good place to be. Maybe you need to to make a big decision and you need some direction. Maybe you're confused and you need some clarity. Can I just give you a little tip? Confusion is not from God. And God is not Confucius. He's the God of clarity. He speaks crystal clear. He's not distorted And he's not cloudy, and he doesn't waver in his decisions. God is precise. He knows exactly what he wants to say and how he wants to say it. And he'll say it to you in a way that you can understand it. So if it's cloudy and it's unclear, keep pressing in. Don't adapt to the cloudiness. Ain't no sense in a Christian being cloudy for months. I said, there ain't no sense in a Christian being cloudy for months. Maybe you're discouraged and you just need to know that you're headed in the right direction. So I believe we've made hearing God far too complicated. We put too many A, Bs, and Cs on it, too many points on it, too many structures on it, and it's gotten overly complicated. A.W. Tozer said, the one who does not expect that God will speak will discount every single time God does speak. You're going to have to understand something today. Everything in this relationship between you and God starts with expectation. If you don't expect him to care for you, then you won't experience his care for you. If you don't expect him to protect you, then you won't experience his protection over you. If you don't expect him to speak to you, then you'll never experience him speaking to you. Everything starts with an expectation. 
Who's responsible for your expectation? My friends, you are. Just like I am for mine. My expectation can starve if I let it. But my expectation can thrive if I allow it and I feed it. So most people believe two lies about hearing from God. Number one, they believe God no longer speaks. I used to believe that lie. Church I was raised in said God don't speak like that. He spoke to Moses, but he quit talking. At the time, it didn't make sense to me. And now it baffles me that I even bought into the lie. God quit speaking? Like, what happened? He got mad at us? And just, he's given us the, the holy silent treatment? Like, why did God speak to Moses and not to me? I mean, Moses was cool and he was used by God, but I'm cool too. And God's going to use me too. So I had to get past my anger at the church I grew up in because they, they lied to me. I had to choose not to live as a victim neither. The second lie people believe is that he only speaks to special people or super spiritual people. <laughs> really? Is anybody really super spiritual? Or has someone just taken the time to learn how to hear from God, walk in the authority that he's given them with the confidence that he gives, with the, with the word from God, understanding their gifts, and have the boldness and the courage to use their gifts? We might see them as super spiritual. What if they're just mature? Instead of fussing about them and putting them up on a pedestal, why don't we get with Jesus and mature too? on I'm telling you the older I get the less I'm impressed with man and the less I'm impressed with myself <laughs> both of those lies are not true so I want you to write this down everybody write this down and then we're going to declare it. God wants to speak to me write that down God wants to speak to me God wants to speak to me. Some of you are going to have to let that out of your mouth this morning. So let's declare that real quick because it don't take that long to write it. You ready? God wants to speak to me. Let's do it again. God wants to speak to me. So the next time you're struggling to hear his voice, just make that declaration. God wants to speak to me. Let me tell you something. Every bit of God's being, the whole reason he did all that he did was to be in an intimate relationship with you. He longs to meet with you. He longs to hear you and to be heard by you. So settle that. He's not, he's not making his mind up about you yet. He's not doing that. He's already, he made up his mind long before he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you and give you this great invitation into a personal relationship. He's already made up his mind. What if you just need to make up yours about him? What if you just need to settle in your heart that he loves me and he likes me? <laughs> God wants to speak to me. Let's go to John chapter 10. We're going to let the power of the word work this morning. John chapter 10, this will break every lie you've ever believed. Jesus is talking. He says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. Ha! God knows your name. Okay, that side's still sleeping. God knows your name. Do you believe that? He knows your name. He will call you by name. He don't call you boy or girl. He calls you by your name. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. Verse 27, my sheep, my sheep, this is Jesus talk. My sheep hear my voice. You might ought to tell the devil he's been lying to you. And it stops today. Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So the next time you think or you hear or you start to believe that God doesn't want to speak to you, you need to remember what Jesus said, that my sheep, meaning this, if you belong to him, you hear his voice. Now watch how slick the enemy is. He'll come and try to convince you that you don't belong to him so that you won't hear his voice. Because the minute you start hearing his voice, you start walking in his will and not your own will. You have the greatest chance of victory than ever before when you walk according to his voice. So the enemy wants to shut things up so you don't hear from heaven. Because Jesus has the words of life. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So Dallas Willard said this, he said, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them that they can have a personal relationship with God. It is absolutely foul to tell people that you can have a personal relationship with God, but he won't talk to you. That's kind of like saying you can be married, but not ever be intimate. You can get married, y'all can build a house together, you can build a life together, but you can't be intimate. That's like telling you you can get married or you can have a best friend, but you can't ever talk to them. How foul is that? We've been invited into a personal relationship with God. And by the way, God's a personal God. He longs to speak to us just like a father or a mother longs to speak to their children. Remember when you were a young parent and your baby was born and they got past the, you know, they started to grow up a little bit and they slept all night. What was the next thing you were longing for before they would get out of diapers? That they would talk, right? So, so you're playing with them and some of you, some of you parents, you were kind of gangster and all this. You would try to coerce your kids to say dada before they would say mama. Anybody guilty of that? Come on, confession is good for the soul. Don't leave me hanging. I dad dad the mess out of my kids. <laughs> and then when they, when they made some kind of a sound that sounded either like dada or mama, you went ballistic, right? You were so excited, but you longed and you listened and you yearned for that moment when the kid would speak to you, right? And then you longed for that moment that you could communicate back to them. So the Father longs to communicate with us. 
But we're going to have to touch on something this morning that may be stopping some things up for you. Because you see, how you view yourself shapes how you hear God's voice. How you view yourself shapes how you hear God's voice. You view yourself as a failure in the kingdom of God, then you probably believe the lie that God doesn't want to speak to you. If you view yourself as someone who has to earn God's love, then you'll probably spend the rest of your life trying to earn something that you'll never get because you earned it. How do you view yourself? Are you a child of God or not? God is not bipolar. He's not wishy-washy. We can be wishy-washy, but God's not wishy-washy. You're going to have to settle the fact that he sent his son to down a cross for you. So that you could go from being an enemy to a friend. So that you could be adopted into his family. So that you could belong to the kingdom of God now, not the kingdom of darkness. Not only have you been saved, but you've been rescued. And you've been given a Lord who's not this dictator, but he's a Lord who leads. He's a king who leads you. You've been given all this. Are you going to believe it or not? And how do you see yourself? You're going to have to answer those questions. Have you been bought with a price or not? Does Jesus' blood work or not? Are you adopted or not? You know, once you adopt somebody, you can't unadopt them. God doesn't have the, street, the three strike rule, neither. <laughs> if that was the case, I wouldn't be here. Most of you either. <laughs> How do you see yourself? Because how you see yourself shapes how you hear God's voice. God wants to have a relationship with you. But watch this. Relationship requires what? What's one of the main ingredients of relationship? Communication. You can say you're in a relationship with somebody, but if you never talk to them, are you really in a relationship with them? Or are you just a fan? Because I'm sorry, but the church is filled up with too many fans of God and not enough people that are in relationship with God. Oh, God's great. God's awesome, man. He's great. He's groovy. God's cool. All these things. But you don't know him. And he would rather you not say all that and instead get to know him. So you're going to have to understand this, that Hearing God is one of the greatest privileges we have as children of God. It's a golden gift that we've been given. you got to hear me today. Listen to me. The church has been deaf for too long. Believers have been deaf for too long. 
We've settled with the lies that the enemy's spoken over us. We've accepted them as our truth now, and we've built our lives on this foundation of lies that I'm just going to be one of these people that squeaks into the kingdom on, on judgment day. I'm going to barely get in because I'm just a couillon, and my mama did this, and my, my parents did Life just didn't go my way, so I'm going to be one of these people that just barely makes it in. And God's sitting there going, are you kidding me? That's an insult. I sent my son and he gave his precious blood to wash you crystal clean so that we could be in relationship so that you could thrive in life and not survive in life. How long are we going to buy into the lie? Listen to me. I give you full permission today. If God doesn't speak to you or you can't hear his voice and you go press in, and I mean like really press in, you go press in. If you don't hear from God, I'll quit. Because I'm a liar. I'm a man from Franklin, Louisiana, born and raised. I have no formal education. I've made more mistakes than most of you in this room. And I can hear God's voice. So can you. So stop accepting it. Stop believing it. Something needs to shift inside of us today. I'm not satisfied in silence. I'm not satisfied living on somebody else's word. I need a word for myself. I want to hear the Father for myself. My skin crawls every time I hear somebody say, but I can't hear from God. And I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad at the devil because he convinced you. So watch this. God desires to speak to you more than you desire to hear from him. If God's voice seems muted or distorted to you, the issue is not with him. Settle that today. The issue is not with God. Who is the issue with? It's with me. The minute I start to own that and then do something about it is the minute that things start to shift and change. So if there's an issue, there's an issue with me. Either I'm not quiet enough, either I'm too distracted, either I'm not settled, either I'm too fearful, or I'm doubtful, my expectation is lacking, come on. You're going to have to discover where the blockage is and then unblock it. Lord, help me. Proverbs 3.6 says this, listen for God's voice, watch this, in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Some of us, we have an issue hearing from God because, he's, because Jesus has not become the Lord of your life. You're still running your life trying to get a word from the king. You're still trying to be the king of your own life when King Jesus is trying to lead your life because that's a blessing and what you're doing is a curse almost. 
So for some of you, your next step is probably going to be surrender. I surrender to King Jesus. In other words, I give you everything and I come to you about everything. I don't do anything without Jesus. How do we get there? How do we get to that place where everything I do, Jesus is in the middle of it? It starts with dying. You're going to have to die to yourself. You're going to have to let your will die. In fact, you're probably going to need to crucify it because it don't like to die. (laughs) And you're going to have to surrender. I'm not the captain of this ship. I'm not. The minute I become the captain of this ship, the ship goes in the wrong direction. I'm not good enough, smart enough, talented enough to make it on my own. I need a king. I need a lord. I need a guide. I need his spirit living inside of me. And all I have to do, this is the only requirement he has of me, stay surrendered. Stay humble. Keep following. The psalmist said, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. I'll never forget a time I was, I was in Jennings. Back, this is back in the early days. This is 20, 20-something years ago. We were in the little garage in the front. It was, a, it was probably a quarter of the size, maybe half of this building, right, this room right here. It's about half this size. It was a garage. I used to, right after that, I became the kids' pastor, and I'd bump the music in the next room, and they they told me to shut it down because it was too loud. I said, no, we just need a bigger building. (laughs) So I kept bumping the music for the kids. I was one of those kind of kids' pastors. But I was on on the worship team, and I was was playing the keys one Sunday, and I'm playing, and I'm just up here. We're in the middle of a song, and I look up, and a guy walks in. And when he walked in, the Lord gave me a word for him. He was a relative of mine. He walked in. The Lord gave me a word for him. He, this is what he told me. He said, that one is going to take some prayer to get rescued. And he showed me somebody being swept away by a flooded river. And the helicopter had to come in and grab him. All this is happening while we're playing music. I got lost in the song because I heard God's voice say something to me. I didn't know what to do with it, so I finished the song. I went and sat down, I wrote it in my Bible. It's still in my Bible today. Now, that's not always common, but it can happen. God can speak to you on the fly. I've shared the story about, with you about the time I was traveling through Jennings, and the Holy Ghost told me to back up. It was, it was a lot of traffic. I backed up. A tailgate fell off of a trailer and skidding all over the road. If I'd have been four or five foot closer, it would probably come through the windshield. He'll speak to you on the fly. But that's not the most common. Let me help you understand the most common. The most common is when you quiet yourself. And you make room for him. You're not trying to squeeze him into your frame, into your box, into your agenda. You're opening up the spaces for him. And you're saying, Lord, I've prepared a table for us to sit and visit, to sit and talk. My phone's dead. My my kids are are, are tied up with something over their mouth in the corner. And (laughs) I didn't tell you to do that. (laughs) I've made space for you, God. That's most common. 
Let's look at Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Samuel was a boy. Let me give you a little warning. The fact that he's a boy may insult you a little bit. But that's okay. Take that insult, turn it into expectation, and get your own word from God. 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1 to 10. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord was, were very rare. And visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Remember, he knows your name. He knew the boy's name. Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel, watch this now. This is powerful. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. You heard that? Samuel did not yet know the Lord. But he was serving in the Lord's house. He was sleeping in the Lord's house. He was in the ministry. Ah, but he didn't yet know the Lord. Well, when did he get to know the Lord? Let's say the minute he recognized his voice. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. You see the anxiousness of God. You see the, the, the longing of God, the persistence of God. Listen to me. I'm telling you today, God will speak to you today. So the Lord called a third time and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. See his position? You see what Eli taught him? Eli taught him how to humble himself, how to come in low and slow. He got low. He said, here I am. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's a prepared little boy who's ready to hear from God. The older God taught him how to posture himself, taught him how to position himself, how to humble himself and get low and hear from God. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Look at how he describes himself. So Samuel went back to bed. And here came the Lord and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Mm -hmm. 
And that's the minute Samuel got to know God. So how much longer are you going to let the enemy convince you that you can't hear from God? Someone's thinking right now, I'm not old enough to hear from God. I'm not spiritually mature enough to hear from God. Lie. You were qualified and ready the minute you got saved. After Samuel responded that way, God begins to speak specific details to him that he wants him to do. I want you to notice a couple of things. I want you to notice where Samuel was. He was in God's house. I want you to notice what Samuel was doing. Samuel was serving God. It's hard to hear from God when you're serving yourself. I said it's hard to hear from God when you're serving yourself. Samuel was positioning himself to hear from God and didn't even realize it. Now watch this. The fact that you're here today, worshiping God, hearing his word, serving his people, you've already positioned yourself to hear from God. I want you to notice who God's voice sounded like. Who did he think was talking to him? Eli, his leader. That's why he kept going to him. There was other people in the, in the place. He kept going to Eli. It was good for him to think it was Eli and go to Eli because he thought Eli was the one speaking to him. Sometimes it's good to hear the voice of your leader. Sometimes God will speak through the voice of your leader. But there has to be a day where you realize God wants to speak to me too. God wants to speak to me too. We often mistake the fact that we think God's voice is some magical kingdom type of voice where he comes in and goes, Listen here, my dear daughter or son. And we're expecting to hear that. Can I tell you what God's voice sounds like to me? You curious? It sounds like my voice. It sounds like me. Except it's much wiser. <laughs> and much more gentle. I'm like, this is interesting. Are you brainwashing me? <laughs> but there's been times where it sounded like my leader's voice. If you're surrounded by godly people, they can help you discern God's voice. Listen to me. You're in a church where people love you enough to tell you if that was God or if it wasn't. Mm -hmm. We're not perfect, and you don't just rely on each other. We have to grow and mature in hearing God's voice. Let me tell you how I've matured in hearing God's voice by acting on it. When I act on what I heard, I discover whether it was God or me. If I don't act on it, I'm always left wondering if that was God or if that was me. You caught that? 
So you got to be willing to make a mistake, look a little bit foolish, sound a little bit goofy sometimes to get to, get to know. So how can I hear God? Let me give you three, three points real quick. Number one, you're going to have to withdraw. But we have issues with drawing. Americans don't know how to disengage. We don't know how to stop. Some of you struggle to stop your work day when it was supposed to stop. Some of you struggle because you keep your work business all up in all your business. You don't know how to disengage. You don't know how to withdraw. Let me, let me just give you a little bit of, of, of a piece of advice. The day you die, the world will keep on spinning. So as important as you think you are, you're, you're letting the enemy convince you that you're so important that you can discount everything valuable in your life and not disconnect from the people that are starving for something from you that don't give a rip about you, won't even be at your funeral, won't send flowers, won't console your family, won't give a rip about you, already got somebody to replace you, you're sacrificing your relationship with God, your family, your marriage, the valuable things, you're giving up the gold for coal. And you're suffering because of it. Your family's suffering because of it. If you're not consistently withdrawing from the world around you and all the demands, even of the family, if you're not withdrawing from that and getting along with Jesus, listen to me. You're running blind. You're running out of your own emotions. You're running with your own feelings. You're running with your own wisdom. And that's why you're, you're like you are right now. Sometimes you need to get a babysitter just so you can sit home and think. And get along with Jesus. That's worth 30 bucks. Come on, somebody, I'll pay somebody $30. There's been times in my life, I'll pay you $30. Take these kids, well, it would have been employees. Take these employees for 30. I'll give you $30. Take these employees for 15 minutes. Let me get along with Jesus. Oh, but we got to watch out because that can be very addictive. Being wanted and needed by so many people. Oh, whew, it touches my flesh. It makes me feel valuable. Ha, I'm moving up the ladder. Woo, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Ha, and I'm sacrificing my family the whole time. And I'm sacrificing my relationship with Jesus the whole time. To what? To make something you can't even bring into eternity? But it feels good. I'm killing it, bro. I'm killing it. How you know, Pastor Jamie? Because I was that idiot. I was that dude. You talk to me, I tell you everything I did this week. Man, I poured a thousand yards of concrete, bro. Ran over to, to New Orleans and did this. Poured some curbs. I went over there and did that. Ran five jobs at one time. How was your week? Uh, pretty cool, bro. I just sat, sat, sat around Friday just... Prayed and read my Bible. <laughs> One day you'll be as good as me. Come on, it's real though. It's addicting. 
Why? Because your flesh loves praise. And that's all because you're looking penub in all the wrong places. <laughs> you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often, say often, withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Watch this. He left the crippled, the dying, the bound, the demon-possessed, the blind, the deaf, the lame, the mute, those with leprosy, those who had just lost a loved one. He left all of them to do what? To go get alone with the Father. In other words, he was like, I ain't got time for y'all right now. I'm going to come back here. I'm going to get Jesus. Y'all, y'all, just, y'all going to have to wait and just got along with Jesus. But what about the people dying? They're going to die anyway. If Jesus left them to get along with the Father, how much do we need to leave? How much do we need to withdraw? You're struggling and you're suffering because you're too busy. Chronic noise and busyness may be the greatest impediment to you hearing from God. You heard that? Chronic noise and busyness. Busyness is not godliness. You ought to write that down. (laughs) Just because you're busy don't mean you're godly. Come on, somebody. You see, when our lives get loud, we become human doings rather than human beings. What do you need to turn off? Shut out to spend time with God. Let me ask you another question. Don't raise your hands, but are you struggling to hear from God? Let me ask a better question. Are you struggling to withdraw? Let's start there. I have a hard time stopping. Can you even make that confession today? Or do you still believe that what you're busy doing is more important than stopping? Busyness might get you a raise, but it might get you lost at the same time. Are you struggling to withdraw and get along with Jesus? Listen to me. Take this advice. If you are, confess that to him. Humble yourself enough to confess it without justifying. I don't care if you're a heart surgeon. It doesn't matter. Heart surgeons can get too busy. James 4.8, great verse. Probably ought to memorize it. It says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Last night I was praying over that verse. You know what I saw? When I lean into him, he leans into me. If we're sitting at the table and I'm not hearing good, maybe because I think he's speaking too soft, but it's just something in my ears, I I got a choice to make. Either I'm going to sit here and pretend like I'm hearing from God, or I'm going to lean in and actually hear from God. That scripture tells me the minute I lean in, he leans in also. Why? Because he values me hearing from him. It's what you do when you can't hear somebody, right? 
You get closer. When you can't hear somebody, you got two choices. You can pretend like you heard them. Or you can say, can you say that again? I, I didn't quite hear you. Number two. You need to ask the Holy Spirit why you're struggling to withdraw. Because some, some of you, let me, let me just get real honest with you. Some of you are like me. You, you, you won't naturally move until you understand. I'm a guy who has to understand something before I'll move on it. So if you present something to me like, hey, man, there's this great opportunity to go and do this in the community. I hear it, and I initially go, okay, but I don't understand it. So I'm, I'm not necessarily going to move until I understand it. So with God, if I'm not hearing from him or I'm having an issue with drawing, I usually sit with the Holy Ghost and I say, help me understand why I'm having an issue with drawing. Because I don't want to just push in without dealing with the issue. Is this making sense? So for me, if it's fear, for instance... I'll go, the Lord will speak to me. He'll say, it's because you're afraid of what I'm going to tell you. Okay. I can see that. Well, your perfect love cast out all my fear. And I usually go into repentance. Lord, forgive me for being afraid of you. I don't ever want to be afraid of you. And I deal with whatever he tells me. Maybe you're like me and you need to understand it before you move into it. Listen to me. If you're having a hard time withdrawing, you need to ask the Holy Spirit why. And then sit there and listen until you hear from him. <laughs> Number two, listen. Listen. So we need to withdraw. Then we need to listen. Because some of us can withdraw and we can have a great silent moment. But even the NFL has silent moments. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, verse 17 also. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Watch this. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The more you are in God's word, the easier it is to recognize his voice. Come on, somebody. The more you are in God's word, the easier it is to recognize his voice. You stay on track better when you spend more time in the word. Because when the enemy comes and he tries to duplicate God's voice in your life, you go, that sounds familiar, but that don't line up with scripture. I ain't going with that. I'm not going with that. That sounds familiar, but that ain't, that ain't my Bible. That ain't my God. <laughs> you ever wonder why the devil made it so hard to read your Bible? You ever wonder why your flesh don't like to read the Bible? Because when you read the Bible, your flesh starts to die. 
Last time I checked, my flesh don't like pain. And it don't like to die. It likes to get bigger and bigger. <laughs> so how, how, do I, how do I get to know God's voice, Pastor? Like, how do I get to just keep at it? Keep at it. When Cheryl and I first met, it was at a football game. I saw her. I said, this is the one. It's the one. She saw me. She didn't think the same thing. <laughs> She's like, oh, great, a jock. I'm like, girl, you just don't know what's underneath all these muscles. I got a soul up in here. Anyway, <clears throat> how did I get to know Cheryl's voice? I called her. It was hard work because I lived in the dorms and you couldn't make a long-distance call, and it was long-distance from Lake Charles to Fitton, Louisiana. I'm like, dang, Lord, why couldn't I found a girl in Lake Charles? Why had to be Fitton? But I did marry the prettiest girl in Fenton. She's from the village. But I got to know her voice the more I talked to her. Every time we talked, I recognized different things about her voice. I could tell when she was in a mood. I could tell when she was happy. I could tell when she was sad. I could tell when she was stressed out. Over time, I learned to understand not only how to hear her voice, but how to recognize the emotion in her voice. I could almost tell you what she's going through now by how she sounds on the phone. So she can call me from anybody else's number, and the minute she says hello, it don't matter. That's my baby. I recognize the voice. Why? Because I talk to her a lot. How do you recognize God's voice? Talking and listening. <sighs> so the goal of reading God's word is not just to learn more about God, but to spend time with God. He wants transformation more than he wants you just to get information. Perhaps the question we should be asking is not how do I know it's him, but rather how well do I know him? John 16, verse 13 to 14, listen to this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Watch this. Jesus is telling the Holy Spirit what to tell you. Just like God told Jesus what to tell the people, Jesus is now telling the Holy Spirit what to tell you. And the Holy Spirit won't say anything unless Jesus said it. That's why he's not a chatterbox. You're going to have to learn that when you don't have a peace about something, you need to stop. And you need to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Because this scripture just told you that he will lead you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. But some of you don't stop long enough when there's no peace. When your emotions get tapped and you get, you get pushed or you get offended, how do you react? 
Do you just go straight up from your feelings and just give it back just like you felt it? Or do you stop until you gain some peace about it and let the Holy Spirit guide you? That's good parenting skills. Because if you treat your kids how you feel, they're a wreck already. Anytime you need direction, ask the Holy Spirit to leave you, lead you. Just lead me. I need you to lead me. Isaiah 30, verse 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Go this way. Walk in it. This morning I was in the back. The worship team's playing. You guys are worshiping. I was watching you. You're worshiping. I was feeling, I don't know if I need to push in or, or sit in. I, remember what I told you when I first started this, the message today? I was sitting in that, and I was, I was not clear on what direction we were supposed to go in today. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, a, I'm like, Lord, what do you want to do today? Lead me. Holy Ghost, lead me in this moment. And this is what he said. I'm going to show you the power of my word today. And I said, okay, then we're going to recognize him in the preaching more than we recognize him in the worship. So let me encourage you with this. When God speaks to you, you need to write it down. You need to write everything down. Why? Because there's going to be a day when you're going to need to go back and remind yourself that God does speak. There's going to be a day when you need to go back and read what he said a long time ago to encourage you for where you're going to next. It, it, it gives you the opportunity to tap into the emotions of that last time so that it will propel you into this time. Amen? <clears throat> so what God speaks in past seasons, build your faith for the next season. Number three, we need to respond. So now that we, we can withdraw... We're going to deal with our struggle to withdraw. We're going to deal with that. We're not going to set in it. We're going to deal with it. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to teach us how to withdraw. Then we're going to listen. When we withdraw, we're going to listen. And then here's the third thing. That's all fine and dandy until you respond. You're going to have to respond. Because the last time I checked, God don't speak to be heard. He speaks to be obeyed. Why would he tell you to do the next thing if you haven't done the last thing? John 10, going back to 10, verse 27. Listen to what Jesus said again. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. Watch this. And they follow me. I got a new set of cows. Bought them a little less than a year ago. Brand, brand new cows to me. I've never had them before. They don't know my voice. We've, had, we've been on this discovery process. I go out on my four-wheeler. I try to be repetitive in my pattern and how I, I go out and I present myself to my cows because they're learning to hear my voice. They're learning to trust me. They're learning to recognize my voice. I don't bring too many people with me. Like if Cheryl gets on the four-wheeler with me and we go out to the cows, they're standing back and they're cautious because there's somebody new there. So I'm, I'm, I'm on this journey of, of getting to know them and them getting to know me. We're at the point now after about six or eight months where I can take the four-wheeler. I, can, I can't call them to the gate. Not yet. But I will. But I can go out to the, to the field and meet them. And I'll, I'll give them a little call. Yoop. Come on, girls. Yoop. 
Even if it's a boy, I still call them girls. Come on, girls. Come on. Come on. I use the same time, the same tone every time. Come on. Come on. And they're starting to respond. So I go meet them in the field. This is how God works with us. He'll meet you where you are. He'll begin to speak to you in a very familiar way, simple. He's not going to throw the whole world at you in one moment. He's going to meet you where you are so you can develop an ear to hear him. And then he's going to begin to lead you because he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So one day with my cows, I will go out and stand at the gate. I say, come on, girls. And they'll come a running. Big old plumpy and fat running. Hey, brother, got some groceries for me. And I'll walk them into a pen and do anything I need to do to them and then release them. One day. Didn't happen the first day. But we're developing something. We have to respond. You never know what's at stake when you don't respond. Can I tell you what's usually at stake? Life or death. Life or death is usually at stake. You'll never know what someone's going through until you respond to what God tells you to do. Pastor Josh got a phone call Monday, Tuesday. We were at a conference. Middle of the conference, one of his police officers in his church is blowing his phone up, like eight calls in a row. So he's like, oh, my God, what's going on? So he walks out of the conference, and he gets outside, and he calls the guy back, and the, and the police officer says, bruh, you ain't going to believe what just happened. He said, well, uh, like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine, but let me tell you what happened. I was on patrol, and I pulled over a guy that was speeding. I pulled him over, and the guy opened the door, fell out of the car, crying, because he was on his way to kill himself. And if nobody stopped him, he was going to go through with it. And he said, I was there to pull him over. I spoke truth to him. I encouraged him. I prayed for him. He wept, and God moved on him, and he's still alive today. You never know what's at stake. So what am I saying? Don't take response lightly. Somebody's life depends on it. It needs, God's voice needs to have that level of urgency in you. Amen? So write this down. I'm, I'm wrapping it up. Write this down. I'm open to hear and eager to respond. Write that down. I'm open to hear. Your flesh isn't going to like this. And eager to respond. Write that down. Let's make that declaration. You ready? I'm open to hear and eager 
to respond. Put a little bit more emotion into it. I'm open to hear and eager to respond. Now, let me tell you what's getting ready to happen. I set you up today. Actually, I wish I was that good. I wasn't that good. God told me what to do. But you've been set up. Gerald's going to come and play something nice and pretty on the keyboard in just a minute. And then we're going to take a moment and we're going to hear from God. Right here, right now. Ta-da! Before we do that, I want to share one thing with you. Let me give you something very practical when it comes to reach and build. As we approach next weekend, I want you to see the vision that God's given us as a church to reach and build. There's lost people all over this community that need to be reached. We're not going after church people. We're going after lost people. They need to be reached, and then they need to be discipled, and we need to make some room for that. Amen? So I want you to begin to, to pray and expect to hear from God on what he wants to do through you next Sunday. And I want you to come ready to give a miracle offering. I'm asking everyone to, be, to participate. It's not equal gifts. All we're asking for is equal sacrifice. If you're married, I would encourage you to get alone with God individually and then come together and get alone with God together and ask the Lord what he wants to do through you. Cheryl and I are doing the same thing. I'm encouraging my girls to do the same thing. God, what do you want to do through me? Remember this, Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's what I want you to do. I want you to grab your notes or grab a card off the back of the seat in front of you. Grab an ink pen or a pencil. Go ahead, Gerald. Go put that real low, Jeff. I don't want it, I don't want it to be a distraction. <clears throat> I want you to settle yourself right now. Some of you are getting anxious in this moment. I want you just to relax. Remember, this is the God who made you. This is the God who designed you, created you, wired you together. He's the God that knows your name. I've spoken to the lies of the enemy today. The enemy is bound right now. He's bound. So I want you to sit there. I'm going to pray a little bit. And I want you to write down whatever you hear God saying. Just write it down. Even if it doesn't make sense, write it down. Lord, I, I believe I've said everything you wanted me to say. I believe I've done everything that you wanted me to do this morning. We've exposed the lies of the enemy, and I bind him right now in the name of Jesus. I command Satan to loose himself from every person in this building. 
remind him that the word says when we resist him, he has to flee. So you're resisting. See. Now, Holy Spirit, I invite you into this moment to speak to everyone. to speak to me. I'm ready to listen and eager to respond. Now speak to us, Lord. sound like a thought. It may sound like your voice. Whatever you're hearing, just write it down. And after you write it down, I want you to keep listening because he may say more. Some of you, this is the first time. I saw this last night. It's the first time. I just, I'm so excited for you. It's your first time to hear God's voice. I'm so excited. For some of you, it's been a long, hard road. Lord knows that you've tried. There's just been these things in the way, and that's been broken. And today, after all this time, it's your first time. All of heaven is rejoicing. All of heaven is rejoicing. For others of you today, quiet for a while. 
It's kind of like Eli and Samuel. The Lord hadn't said much lately. Boy, you heard something today. I'm excited for you. I'm so excited for you. song in my head is oh I need thee every hour I need thee oh I need thee every hour I need thee <laughs> Lord I thank you for speaking to us today is full the Lord would say to you this morning I've prepared this table for you even in the presence of your enemies I've prepared this table for you I decided to meet you here today I came to find you I came to speak. The Lord would say, I came to tear down the lies and the blockage. I came to set the captive free. I set you up for this moment. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.